Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, people? This is You're Not Listening, the podcast that teaches you how to actively listen to music one song at a time. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I am Sean's dad, Jim. (laughs) And uh, today we're doing something a little different. Uh, As we do sometimes, we are not going to be focusing on one or two specific songs. We are having a guest on the show today. And as many of our listeners probably know, uh, I... I'm a bass player. I used to play bass in a band in Boston and Providence. And I think we've told the story before of how we went to a show in Boston once and uh, I got to meet the bass player from one of my favorite bands and we relentlessly uh, (laughs) went after him until he agreed to come on the show. And so today we have Benj Gershman from OAR on the show. How's it going, Benj? It's great. Nice to see you guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for uh, finally leaving me alone. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) No, we really appreciate you coming on. Happy to um, be here. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, we're really excited to talk about music because we. Well, one thing we've learned from doing this show is that a lot of professional musicians don't actually get too many opportunities to just talk about music. So uh, we're really excited to, you know, uh, give you that outlet and and talk some shop with you and and learn about you as well. So let's get right into that before uh, we kind of talk about some of the specific songs that we want to dive into a little bit. Uh, I want to learn about you. What's your What's your story? What's your history? Uh, tell the people who they're listening to and how you got into music. Sure. Uh, my name is Benj Gershman. I grew up in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Uh, I come from a, a like you know middle class working family. Both my parents worked. Uh, when I was growing up, they bought my brother and I uh, two big things that uh, really led us down our path. They bought a piano and they bought a commodore 164 computer and obviously i'm a musician now and uh, my brother is a very successful and smart software engineer he runs a company (laughs) that does a mix of like public and private uh work for the government and he also was one of the two people leading the healthcare.gov fix so um thank you to my parents for uh you know, I think inspiring us from a young age to find passions, you know, um, that we, you know, have been able to impact communities and people through and um, hopefully make the world a little better. And, you know, for me personally, um, you know, I, I guess uh, stuff about me. I mean, I've always been into music. I started on that piano when I was seven or eight 
and I took lessons then I moved to guitar that didn't really feel right. And my dad showed up with a bass at one point and um, he said, I also got you a teacher for three months. You have a lesson every week. And a guy named Earl Hooks Jr. started showing up at my house and became a, a real mentor to me. And we continued those lessons from three months to about three years uh, weekly. And I learned so much. I value his presence in my life very deeply. And, um, you know, he, he said to me after those years, you know, this is like the point where you need to go out and use these skills. And I've taught you what I can teach you. And we have to part ways, but you have the skills to, you know, do this as much as you like. And, you know, basically like professionally is what he was saying. And it was interesting because I was 16 and within a few months, I, I met the, excuse me, months. Uh, I met the guys in OAR. Well, didn't meet them. I guess I had already known some of them, but they, um, yeah, that's when we started playing together. So it was a very like, he like pushed me out into the world. And then I found the thing that has been, you know, a career for me. And um, wow. I just feel like a very blessed human being who wants to share, you know, good things with people. And I'm fortunate that, you know, what Mark sings about is all very beautiful, positive, uh, inclusive uh, lyrics that I can support and stand behind and uh, want to help get out there. And that's been something, you know, that has been a driving force for, I think, all of our band members to support his message in that of what he's singing about, because it's it's something very moral and um that's that's meaningful to get to do on a regular basis and i think it's resonated with a lot of people thankfully and we have the audience that continues to support us even though our lives have changed and we can't as often play shows but when we do we're still embraced by people and that's a really special thing we don't take it lightly and um you know i guess that's that's the music side of me there's a whole bunch of other things i'm into and and do as well but i don't know how how much time you guys have. <laughs> oh, we have plenty of time. If you want to share what else you're into, that's, that's cool. Right on. I mean, I, I, I try to live a very healthy lifestyle. I've had my fair share of uh, health challenges over the years. And, um, you know, I'm very like diet conscious, exercise conscious, stress conscious, uh, try to live very balanced. Um, I'm a father. So that stuff plays into, you know, how I can be a father day to day to my child and uh, be a partner to my wife. And th that's the big stuff. You know, I got a lot of little things I like to do, uh, tinker with cars, you know, I, I mess with some metal welding. I try to do a, like artistic things about podcasts. I'm starting up my own podcast on mental health and wellness. It's not, you that's know, nice. live yet, but it's, uh, it's, we were in production, so there'll be some stuff coming out in May of this year, uh, sort of a launch along with Mental Health Awareness Month. And um, generally, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a family guy. You know, I'm really close with my family and, um, you know, I have just I try to have strong relationships in life. That's uh, that's what it's all about. And the photography piece too? You still doing I, that? I don't really do as much photography these days. Nope. Um, I, I did that really passionately for a long time. And my focus with that was really in film and Polaroid. And those became very cost prohibitive to work with. Oh, and, gotcha. and, yeah. and then I, I basically 
you know, had an iPhone and it, it just kind of took over. And it, it was like, you know, there were some times that I went on tour and brought film and it got ruined or whatever. And it was just kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um, I still shoot every once in a while. I still have all my, you know, nice film gear and some of the develop developing materials that I, I would use if I did any of the processing myself, but it's really involved and with a five-year-old at home and all the other stuff that I've got <laughs> cooking, yeah. you know, it's, it's a lot to get into, but, um, there's also a great lab here in, uh, in the San Diego area that I like bringing my stuff to when it is there. So it's not off the table. It's just not very often. Life gets busy with family too. Yeah, having kids is the best thing in the world, but it does make it hard to keep up with some of those hobbies. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You have um, to kind of so pick and choose. Yeah, for sure. Do you ever uh, get back to Gaithersburg? Is your family still there? Uh, I get back to Gaithersburg. My family is, my parents don't live in Gaithersburg, but <laughs> I, I have friends and people that live around there still. And I'll go back into Gaithersburg, but I mean, when I go back to Maryland, you know, I usually will stay with my parents. I'll visit buddies and friends and Rockville mainly, but, uh, I, I do, I have a friend who, um, he works in Gaithersburg. And so whenever I get the chance, I'll go back there. I actually was just back a few months ago and I went back to see the house that I grew up in and my next door neighbor, who is actually Mark's in our band, Mark Robert's cousin. He was walking his dog in front of my old house as I was pulling up and I got to say hello oh, cool. to him. And, um, we had a, a great little reconnect and, um, you know, it was, it, it's, it's always good going home. There's always something, you know, positive that comes out of that. Yeah. It's uh, funny. My wife grew up in Gaithersburg as well. She went to Magruder. Oh, wow. Um, Small yeah she lived that's i don't know cool. if you know she she grew up in uh flower hill oh yeah uh, that's where and her parents are still there so we get down there that's cool yeah somewhat, yeah, you, there's, uh, somewhat frequently it's kind of a long drive for us but yeah yeah i i know flower hill actually i used to i was a swimmer and then i was a swim coach and our rec club used to swim against flower hill um so oh, i've been nice. been to their like rec club pool and all that stuff yeah yeah that's when, when we go down there, that's the only place my kids want to go is to that pool. Yeah. They're within walking distance from there. So we're nice. They're down there a lot. That's funny. Wow. And uh, my brother-in-law was actually a swim instructor at that pool. So. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Kind of funny. Kind of yeah. funny connections. And, and then dad, didn't we have another guest on that was from that area as well? Um, who was it from another podcast? I think. Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, Craig. Yes. From, from there, right? From uh, music musings, cool. Music musings, yeah. So let's yep. talk about music. I want to go back to when you guys, when you first joined the band, and you were, what did you say, sixteen? Oh uh, um, yeah. How did you guys like put your songs together? I know I was in a band in high school too, and it was a mess trying to like pull songs together and actually like write something. Um, the the music for something, the lyrics are a whole other thing. But like, how, what was your guys' process? Do you remember kind of how you put things together back then? Because I think what, your first album, you were around that age, right? You were teenagers when you came out with the first album. Yeah, we we were. Well, I was sixteen at the time. Um, some of those songs had kind of been formed um, prior to sort of when we started playing together and OAR formed. Um, but I think it was mainly like a bit of an exploration in the basement, right? Like we were just 
playing chords and, you know, Mark was singing over them and he had ideas about where the lyrics would go. And, and the songs kind of formed, I think, uh, very naturally and, and not in a forced manner and not in like maybe a, as intentionally as songs are created and form in our career now. You know, there's a bit of uh, youthful, like not knowing how to do that in, in that time. And we were just kind of collaborating and experimenting and sort of seeing what felt good and, and had a, had a vibe, I guess you could say. Um, mm -hmm. There were a lot of songs that we would jam that never got recorded. You know, we would, I mean, there was like, there was one thing we, we used to rehearse on Tuesdays and Thursdays and we had a song that was just like Tuesdays and Thursdays are the best days of the week. And it just like, that was like one of the only lines and it was kind of whatever. There's a blues jam that, you know, just was like standard blues chords. And I think it was just like a learning for us, you know, it was a, how do we play together? You know, where, where do our uh, styles like fit with each other? Mm -hmm. And how does that work? I think it was very much a innocent and unintentional sort of happening. And when like people like when we recorded stuff, then it gave it some real form and structure um, for real. But it was kind of just like a discovery almost. Interesting. So how how do you guys do it now? How is it? How has that changed? You said it's a little different now. Oh yeah. I mean, it's a world of difference now. There's um, <laughs> other writers, there's, you know, production in play while it's happening. Um, Mark takes on a lot of that work on his own in New York city at a studio that we rent. And um, he like, you know, he goes there on a, you know, whatever basis he can, regular basis for him. And um, and those things filter. I mean, I got a song over text message yesterday that Richie's been cooking on and it's, uh, it's really cool. And, um, I need to figure out, you know, some of the parts that, you know, like he, like for that song in particular, there's already a bunch of layers. There's drums, there's bass, there's guitars, there's no melody, but there's a real structure and form to the song, but there's like, there will be adjustments from there. Uh, but he's got a really cool baseline on it. So I just need to learn the baseline. <laughs> you know, it's like, there you go. <laughs> does, does it always work like that? But, you know, it's nice like that he, you know, he has created something cool that I, I'll get to play. And, um, you know, it's it's like I, I, I get to see it before it gets a melody on it, which to me sometimes can mean like, well, maybe we should end up changing some of the baseline to go with where the melody goes and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But there's a real foundation for everything the way he's got it set up at this point so there's there's a lot of things i mean we'll we'll jam things at sound check and they turn into a song you know there's a little thing somebody's noodling with and then it goes somewhere and and someone gets on one of our talk back mics which isn't like a mic that the audience hears it's a mic mm -hmm. that only we hear in our ears on stage and at that point it's like oh let's do this change and go to these chords and see how this sounds. And, you know, and then, Oh, okay. Now we don't just have a loop. We've got a verse and a chorus or a verse and a bridge or something like that. So um, there's really a lot of ways it can go down. But I mean, as far as like the core of the songwriting and, and you know, lyrics, definitely Mark is, you know, leading that charge. And a lot of times he's, mm -hmm. 
he's you know working on it in a way that he it's almost like a a finished product you know um because he's he's producing it he's doing all that stuff yeah when we so spoke you, i mean it, to uh, and you started Alex, this process oh, when you were like at 15 i'm sorry sean i've stepped on you no you're fine when you started when you were 15 16 years old and you know with all the years that the band's been together is it still exciting to get that text oh yeah you'll hear something new and here's a flavor that we can kind of take it in different directions and it sounds earthy that it's still kind of growing and and, and kind of, you know, it has to be added to so yeah, much. Yeah, and everything should continue to change, right? Like, you know, the way things yep. happen, yep. that's life. Um, and it is exciting for me to continue to be able to get music and, and work on it, regardless of how it's getting to me or what it's going to be. You know, we love to be, you know, working on music. We love to play music. And so I think looking at careers in music out there and knowing we're close to hitting 30 years of doing this no matter what is happening for us it's it's a good thing that something's happening you know we we try to like you know focus on all the wins and that's one of them it's just that we're still doing it you know and um that's not easy because everybody lives in different cities has got different lives there's you know, different things going on outside of the band business. And it's, you yeah, know, you can't just get in a basement every Tuesday and Thursday. It's exactly right. You know, we, right. we have to like schedule rehearsals. It's expensive to get to the same place. You have to take into account, you know, personal schedules and flights and hotel rooms now and all that stuff. So it's a, it's a different beast than it was when we all, you know, took our parents' cars to, uh, to band, band <laughs> practice. But does it, does it get exciting and or do you get that itch after so many months of the old, we need to get back together and we, we need to kind of start to, to get this thing rolling, especially if you know the tour is coming up in the summer and all, is it, is it do you, you kind of feel it after a little while, the old, I, I, I think I need to do this? Or? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I would play exciting. more often if we could, but like the nature of our business as well as like oversaturating markets and all that kind of stuff yes. is like you need to do it smart so you can keep doing it. And at some point it's like, it's not about like, you know, like how many shows, but that you can just keep playing shows. And, um, we're, we're business minded as a group. And I think that's Mm -hmm. something that has helped us keep our business going, even when, you know, it's, it's hard, especially like in the years of COVID and everything, you know, it's like, that was, you know, a time I've spoken with other artists about this is one of those times where you really tested on, you know, like your, your partnerships and your, you know, the people you're getting through that with, because for us, you know, there's, it's just like a lack of income, you know, and, and your identity isn't there either. So that's a lot to kind of like right. process and deal with. And, um, yeah, it, it, we're just, we're lucky to still have this thing. Yeah. And it was no definitive end to, okay, we can just hang in there until X and then we'll be back and things will be fine. It was so unclear at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you, when you were with high school buddies, I mean, to have a high school band and Sean, again, you can speak more to this because of of the situation you've been in, but I mean, how, how rare is that, that good friends from high school um, are still together 30 years and, and not only together, but still viable and still making good music that has soul that has a purpose and and still has has that that humanity that uh that you wanted to when you first started that's got to be rare it's got to be yeah you don't you don't want it to go away 
you know, you want it to like yeah. keep rolling and, and evolving and being there. And, um, you know, it's also really fun to be on tour, like with people you care about and to make right. others, you know, happy while you're doing that and seeing the country is exciting. And, you know, it, it's obviously hard to be away from your family, but you know, you're really having a great time out there and, and all that. Yeah. It's one thing to go on tour as like a hired gun musician, you know, playing backup for a solo artist or something like that. And there's a whole other thing being able to go on tour with your best friends that you've been together with for so many years. Right. Yeah, totally. So, so let's talk about, um, music and your, your history in music and your, who, who are your influences? Who do you love to listen to? Like if you were to put on an iPod, iPod, geez, I'm dating myself. If you were to put on in some headphones and listen to music right now, what, what would you put on? I've been listening to a lot of uh, like like outlaw country kind of stuff lately. Much thanks <laughs> to my awesome wife, who's from Texas. Um, she I've been getting into that so much too. She, That's so funny. Yeah, she's <laughs> like uh, you know from the Austin area, and she's like you know true Texan. Um, I think there's a lot of people I'm listening to that weren't like you kind of asked who like who I'm listening to, but also who like inspires me like some of the people i listen to aren't people that i knew about when i was learning and stuff like that but right like yeah, yeah. right now it's like you know i'm listening to waylon jennings uh johnny cash george jones um there's some younger guys in this like uh there's a guy named charlie crockett that i really like and i've heard, um, I've heard that name yeah he's he's worth checking out he's got some really cool songs and um i mean Stapleton is awesome. I'm trying to find like younger people that I really like, you know, as well, because I feel like I'm like the dad now who like only knows the music that I listen to already. And then I'm like listening to, yes, thank you. Um, I'm listening <laughs> to like stuff that is like from the generation before the current music, at least. And so like, I gotta like know what's going on out there a little more. Um, and, but like, fortunately, one band have, that you might like, I don't know if you've heard of them, but a band that I can't stop listening to right now, who was my number one Spotify wrapped is, um, good night, Texas. Okay. I don't I'll know if you've heard out. of them. You'd, you'd probably you. like them. It's yeah. I think I've got a book called good night, Texas for my kid. It's a town. There's a town okay. called good night, Texas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That's cool. I'll definitely check out, you know, the, the music as well as maybe the town one of these days. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. So uh, so then let's let's talk about influences then though. If yeah. as you were kind of coming up and as you're writing songs and and you know when your music uh musical taste kind of changed over time, what was your influence as you were learning bass? Yeah, I mean my teacher most of all influenced me. Uh Earl Hooks Jr was uh, a man who loved a lot of music, everything from that sounds he, like a bass player. He he is a bass player. <laughs> he, he was a very devoted Christian as well, and he listened to a lot of gospel music and you know like church kind of music, you know, in in different capacities. And he was very spiritual, and he he exposed me to like a lot of acid jazz and jazz and um, like R and B. I remember he um, he made me listen to killing me softly by roberta flack and learn the baseline and it was there, there was a lot of that like this is who you need to like listen to but it was like listen to them 
and find like how to play the baseline. So from the beginning of my playing, I was, he was training my ear to find, you know, a groove. And, um, oh. and so like it, it's, it's hard for me to now listen to any music without really honing in on the, the foundational structure of the rhythm and how that ties to the music. And it's, um, it can be pretty annoying for me because I don't always just like enjoy music. I find myself like I'm 30 minutes into a live concert and I've been like analyzing instead of just like closing my eyes and listening. But I mean, back then my brother was an influence and he was a guitar player and he, he, you know, was listening to Aerosmith and, um, I mean, like Cream, Eric Clap, one of Eric Clapton's early bands, and uh, a lot of blues and some like Beastie Boys stuff. I remember when he had a tape of uh, Paul's Boutique in a little cassette Walkman thing, and we were on our way somewhere in the car, sitting in the back, and I like stole the headphones from him, and I was like, "What is this?" You know, and it's like <laughs> Paul, Paul's Boutique is just like full of samples and the sounds were like nothing I'd ever heard. And uh, that was really exciting to, to like be exposed to for the first time. Um, other music. I mean, I, I was a big classic rock guy, you know, anything like, um, you know, I used to listen to like bad company, Leonard Skinner, I guess, even though they're kind of like uh, not exactly just, uh, you know, classic rock. Um, there, there's some other stuff and there's some Southern rock, I would say. Um, influences on bass, Flea was a, a huge influence for me. And then, oh, I got a thumbs up on there. Um, so uh, <laughs> I I also really liked uh, Jaco Pastorius. I don't know if you guys have heard this, this guy. Um, no, I don't think so. Sean, you got to check him out. He is like probably historically the most capable bass player and it has like an interesting history to his career. He started playing bass and he, he had a Fender jazz bass that he used to play and he ended up like ripping the frets out of it and filling them in so that it was a fretless bass. And he had incredible abilities to, to do what he did. And um, he, he was just like a game changer in bass playing um once you go down the jocko rabbit hole you'll <laughs> you'll find a lot of stuff he did some live you albums you don't and, come out the same <laughs> no it, it's impossible um and so like a lot of my youthful playing was based on listening to him and and he he played a lot more notes than you need to play in pop music but there was a lot of space in the early oar music that i tried to fill with his kind of playing style as well as a very like uh like uh vocal tone to it where there's almost like you could sing the bass lines you know um yeah oh, interesting. and um yeah it it only worked for so long because as jerry got involved in oar as we sort of learned what it takes to make more you know i guess pop songs and sort of lean away from just sort of jamming and, and unintentionally crafting music it mm -hmm. became apparent that it was something we needed to do was to really like, you know, fit the format. Okay. And, um, with that, it, it was a humbling experience to sort of take my own like 
heady desires out of it and serve the songs for what the band was aiming at, you know? That's really funny because um, when I was play, I, I started playing bass because, you know, I was originally, like most bassists, I was originally a guitarist and our band needed, needed a bass player. So I went to a pawn shop and got a bass. And then as I was learning and then in my, in my band that I played in Boston for a while, you were actually one of my biggest influences. And so oh. I played oh. a lot of that same style where, and, and I've been told by one of our friends, Hey, you, you know, you, you sound good, but you, you're, you're doing way too many notes. Yeah. <laughs> you need to, you need problem. to kind of rein it back. And, and it was funny. And I'm just like, <laughs> as you're saying this, I'm just like, I followed that same path, but I followed it because of you. So thank you. <laughs> My fault. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but I was also well, listening to a lot of reggae stuff too. So I was trying to like craft these reggae style, uh, bass lines that, uh, used like a lot of notes, but just kind of had a continuous groove that, that would flow through the whole song. Sure. Uh, yeah. That's kind of what I was going for. But we were more of a rock band. We were like kind of a mm-hmm. Matchbox 20 style pop rock band. So it didn't really work with that cool. stuff as well. So I, we, I kind of had to evolve that a little bit too. And yeah. and that, that's what I wanted to embarrass you about, Benji, is when we first met you, it was after an, uh, an OAR show um, at the outside pavilion, pavilion. whatever it's called Bank, now. It, I, well, I think at the time it was week. the Bank of America Pavilion. Bank of America in Boston. Mm-hmm. And Michael Paris was doing an after show at the Hard Rock. And Sean's band at that point was kind of the, were you kind of like the house band for Hard Rock for a couple of years there? And I don't know. So we I mean, we weren't in. considered the house band because we weren't like a cover band, but we were kind of like their go-to for when they wanted bigger crowds because we played there enough that they had like a regular audience that would come to that venue for us. Yeah. So That's cool. So we went there and then that's where this, this photo came from where, um, it was the old, hey, there they are, there they are, Let, let's go meet them. And, and you know, it, Sean and, and his buddy Sully were too afraid. Um, so being the obnoxious father was like, I'm gonna just going to go over there. And I introduced myself saying, listen, these guys are in a band. And, and my son um, tells me that you're his, his influence, for, you know, for, as a bass player. And he looked at me like, God, I didn't think I'd be anybody's influence <laughs> or whatever you said, something like, like that. Yeah. Um, and Still then, accurate. you know, I think... <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then I think you gave him some, some advice, like just stay out of the way, you know, get, stay in the background and, and, and kind of serve the, like you said, serve the, the music, serve the song and, and, yeah. um, and, and, and don't get yeah. too in front. Or something you were like reminding me that it's not, it, it's not a solo instrument. It's not a, you know, it's not a front man instrument. It's, it's the foundation and you need to, to support the song. And I took a lot from that. It, it helped me grow as a musician. So thank you for that. You're welcome. I mean, it's an interesting instrument in rock and roll music and pop music because it it has to be a rhythm instrument, but there are ways to give it a voice without overwhelming Mm -hmm. the other elements of the song. And it's almost like there's an infinite amount of possibilities of how you do that. But, you know, it's very important that it's almost like if somebody notices you, you're doing it wrong. Um, right. it kind of, you know, and it's also like you're, you know, you're the offensive line, you know, the team's not scoring touchdowns if, if you're not doing your job right. And, um, I think in that, you know, there's, there's a humility that needs to be there and, um, sort of taking a back seat, you know, in the, in the ride that you're on with, with your fellow bandmates. And, um, that's not for everyone to do. Yeah, and having experienced that, like as a bass player, I think that's something that every uh, drummer and bass player it needs to learn. 
somehow at some point, either mm-hmm. kind of having their own epiphanies or being told like I was by you. I think it's it's something that is a really important part of growing as a musician. And I, I you know, I, I'm grateful that I was able to have that while I was still playing in the band and then, you know, developing future lines for uh, new songs we came up with. Like I would consciously would think about that. Um, and so, you know, I think it's really important for musicians to hear that kind of stuff. So I think that's great. Right um, awesome. I'm, I'm curious where, and, and I don't know if this is, is you or someone else in the band that kind of brings us in, but the, the heavy uh, reggae sound that is incorporated, especially in some of your older stuff, um, where does that come from? Because that's not coming from the, the classic rock and the, and the fusion jazz. Yeah, stuff. I honestly, um, that is something that I think, well, I remember Chris and I, so Chris and I met, lifeguarding the summer before oar formed and started playing together and um we we used to take drives when we would like leave our lifeguarding job and we would uh we would just listen to music and that was one of the things he turned me on to even though i'd heard some of it you know it wasn't as prevalent in in my world right um and i think him and mark really had an affinity for that and the idea wasn't to try to like tap into like the reggae stuff. It was more about the, the Island sort of vibe of it in the sense of like, we knew we weren't a reggae band. We wanted to adapt it to sort of part of the DC culture in that DC had, you know, where we grew up was, you know, 15 minutes from Washington DC with, people from all over the world. Our high school had Mm -hmm. people from all over the world. Our neighborhoods had people from all over the world. So, whereas now I think there's a lot of like, Oh, is that cultural appropriation or something like that? For us, it was honoring the diversity. It was, it was, you know, being respectful of the sounds that we heard locally. You know, if you go to, you start going to concerts when you can around 18, you know, and that kind of stuff, unless your parents are bringing you, like we weren't seeing a ton of stuff until, you know, after we had already formed. So it was a lot of just these sounds you hear on different radio stations and through mm-hmm. friends. And, you know, we had friends of all different backgrounds. And that is just kind of one of those things, I think, that permeated our our relationships. And um, it was also easy to play in the sense of like it's an upbeat, you know, like mm-hmm. like uh, up and down, you know, sort of... Uh, like for the guitars, I think it, it's just the skank, you know, is mm-hmm. very much repetitive. And I think at this point, I know, well, back then, Richard taught Mark to play his first chords and how to do that. And I don't think Mark had yet developed his very talented ability to play different things at the same time that he sung different things, right? Polyrhythmic activities mm-hmm. between his hands and his mouth. And that's like, you know, his... his uh, I think beginnings were like when he found that you could just do this thing that had like its own feel to it, even though it was just an offbeat rhythm. Right. It's like, then, you know, Chris could do his beat and I could pepper in these, you know, things. And, and I had a a thing back then where I almost didn't want to play the same thing over and over every chord progression. So it, it, that was me overplaying if you look at it from the perspective I have now. But back then it was just part of how the music, you know, formed and, and what it was in, a, in its most natural 
you know, sort of uninfluenced state, if you will, like nobody, there was no producer saying like, you're playing too many notes. You need to, you right. need to back off. Um, and, and as that happened, I learned, and I think we all learned, but it, it wasn't to be a reggae band or anything like that. I think it was just part of our interest in all these different sounds. Yeah. And but I don't think I would have with, ever. With a heavy called. bass influence though too. I'm sorry. Wait, dad, you're, you're, you're on. You know, I was just, I was just saying, I'm sorry, Sean. I, I, it always felt like it was a heavy bass influence with the reggae kind of feel too, which really drove the song more than traditional reggae music in, in what I always listened to. Is that, was that true at the time? I mean, or? I think I quickly grasped the feel of what those bass lines right. could be. And I, I very much had, I think I, I could play a lot more notes and, and scales and things than the amount of notes necessary to do what would be, you know, an islandy kind of bass line. And so for me, mm-hmm. when I heard these progressions that were very, you know, um, not necessarily basic, but like repetitive and, and I, there was space for me to kind of, you know, have a stronger part of the song than, you right. know, maybe later in the, in, in our career and some of that music, um, in a different way, you know, there's the, the later stuff. I think the bass lines are still strong. It's just a different kind of strong. And, um, I don't know. I just, uh, it was, it was really my, my adolescent approach to the instrument as much as yeah, trying it, to it just naturally play what came to mind. Um, I did, uh, back then I did some like, school musicals i was one of the only bassists in our high school and you know some of the bass lines were like you know boring to me and the and it, these were shows like um i think that one was pippin the apple tree guys and dolls and like some of those are amazing pieces of music but i was just like a kid who, who knew that they didn't have another option for a bass player and I was like, oh, I want to try this today. And then I just like, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just kind of what came out, you know? Nice. Nice. Well, it worked. I'm sorry, Sean, yeah, I stepped on you. No, it's all right. I was just, I was just going to say that I don't, I wouldn't have classified OAR as a reggae band. It, there's just strong influences in there that I just wanted to clarify that. That's all. For sure. <laughs> and we, we say, we state that too. It's just something we've found that is, is not the most accurate way of respecting the music from that culture as well, because we know we're not that and it's, mm-hmm. it's a separate kind of entity and it's also like not our identity the way we see it. And we got dubbed that, I think, you know, in a lot of capacity no. and we didn't think it's it was bound to happen. You accurate. know, someone, someone's going to simplify mm-hmm. what you yeah. do into something they can easily mm-hmm. grasp onto. So, um, yes. So, Let's talk about songs. What are some of your favorite songs to play? I we have kind of a list of a few songs that we that stand out to us as um like the bass songs, <laughs> you know, the the ones that we we think yeah. of when we think of okay, like what which ones have a a heavy bass um <clears throat> you know, bass forward feel to them. Sure. Uh and we got some of those, but I want to hear kind of what are some of your favorite ones to play. I mean, the truth is I love playing all songs. Like I just feel very fortunate that um, if, if there's a moment in my life still that I get to get up there with the, with the guys and play music, it's really a, a joy and a privilege. Um, as far as like favorites go, I mean, look, you, you know, 
playing on a stage with your friends and getting to play poker, you know, over 2000 times or whatever, we've done it over the years and seeing people have more and more fun as we get older. And it's like, you know, you have like dad pains, like my back's out or something and I'm playing a show and people are throwing cards and you feel a lot better. You know, like that is a song that like, I I've never started playing that song and finished playing that song and felt worse. Like you always feel better with that mm-hmm. tune. And it's a, it's a fun baseline. There's stuff I did when I was 16 in the studio that I don't remember doing that's on the record that I still play. And I'm like, I don't know how I came up with that. Like it's that <laughs> you're not supposed to play that note, you know? And it's like, it, it's the song, you know? And, um, that's definitely one of them that I really always enjoy. Um, uh, it's really it's like good to, to hear that. I don't want to interrupt, but it's good to hear that. Like you're not sick of the song that, that probably you would expect you to get sick of, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, the fact that we actively make sure to keep it different and like <clears throat> let yes. it flow and be something, you know, fresh every time is mm-hmm. is part of why that is um and it, yeah it it's something that we've actively discussed is like are you, you, you guys sure you want to play this again this tour or like should we just stop playing it and you can't but like you know the you figure out how do we make this fun for everybody so right. that that's a part of it um I mean, there's a lot of songs i really love uh 5250 is really cool i love the journey of that song um i think there's a lot of different styles of bass playing ways that i use my fingers movements that i need to do um even though there's not like it's not the most complex stuff there's parts of it that challenge me every time there's a part where it's like it's an eighth note build and it's so fast and it's like if i'm not on with the drums sounds like shit pardon my french i hope that's okay on your podcast yeah Um, oh yeah like okay Fuck yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so like if, um, you know, if, if I'm off, like everything doesn't sound good. So there's moments where it's like, I'm like so in it and hyper concentrated that it's like, I've left my body and I'm not just on a stage. I'm like, like in a cerebral lock with the band and there's nothing else in the universe to me except like in this like time frame like this is all i'm doing and i have to do it well and it's not always easy um with all my you know health stuff to still keep doing that but it's so fun to have the opportunity every time and try and um you know i think uh there's parts of that song too that are so vastly different from what that is that it's it's a joyful release in moments and yeah there's there's a lot of stuff and that one is is the uh, antithesis of you do the same thing over and over and over again Mm -hmm. that there's so many different ways that the bass kind of takes you in that too so yeah that's besides the concentration that's got to be um okay this is the one i have to work at because i want to make sure i do it right it's not the same repetitive motion you know for the whole the whole bars and everything Yeah. yeah and that that's one of those songs that was early in our career and you know early ish in our career and i remember uh being in the studio working with mark on it and i had like the baseline for parts of it and he's like you know it needs something else like it's not done 
And I was like, well, I really like it now. He's like, yeah, but it can be better. And he was encouraging to find some other part. And then there was like, it became like, okay, like we kept working on it and it became different things in different sections. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a good memory as far as like the collaborative effort to, to get to the finished product in that song itself. And, um, a lot of that effort, it's like, now it's just what it is. And it's part of what mm. I get to play. And, you know, it's nice to have solid memories of, of those creative moments. Cool. Dad, what I were guess, some of the other songs? You hear uh, others or, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, sure. If you have any, you want to hear, no, I mean, I'd like to hear what which songs you guys want to hear about, and I can tell you if there's a good story or if it's just boring. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we had uh, program director on there. Yeah. Just awesome. that, that's that just sounds like a really fun song to play. It uh, is. And I'm curious, really kind of how you came up with that. That's one that is we consider. You know, it's a it's it's a singable baseline, right? Like you mentioned, it's it, mm-hmm. and it 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 feels. Uh, a lot more melodic than some of the other ones, and like you're you're the one filling that space and and you, you singing that song up up until the lyrics start. So uh, tell any any fun stories with that one? Yeah, program director. A couple things. One, that stick line was originally a guitar line, and the bass ended up doubling it. So it wasn't uh-huh. a part that I wrote. Um, there were there are parts of that song that I then wrote to go in in other parts, but as far as the um, not the very top, but where it gets like punchy. Um, that was a, a stick guitar part. I, I'm pretty sure we were in some large gymnasium and I was playing like a smoother thing under while that was going on. And it was mm-hmm. like, it was reverberating in a way that like wasn't working. And then kind of muddy. Yeah. It was mudding out the whole thing. And, and then it just kind of made sense to, just do that baseline and it's a it, or that stick line and it's a great part and it really tightened up the whole feel it instantly brought the song together and um you know fortunately like the guys in the band are all talented musicians who have you know like even chris being a drummer can like sing parts that he can hear you know would be good for an instrument you know and, and that's really cool and so there's always ideas floating around in the circle. And, uh, I think one of the things we all, you know, do well, uh, is, is like, listen to each other. And, um, that's a song that there was a lot of listening going on. And, uh, it was also very purposeful as far as like the lyrics go about, you know, it's, it's way too long to be on the radio, but Mark's talking to the program directors about why won't you play our songs? And (laughs) we knew why. (laughs) So, so, you know, there's, there's a learning curve to that as well. Dad, Um, what do you got? uh, How about, how about Dara, Dara Miode? Another song. I, uh, I believe Richard or, or I think it was Richard wrote that. And then there's, there's some other, that one's fun to play. Yeah, that one's so fun to play. And, um, you know, there's times where these things come up and it's like, I don't need to do anything. Like, don't mess, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Like, it's it's right. one of those things. And, um, you know, as a guitar player, Richard is always noodling on stuff, whether it's like a, a, a single line or whatever and those things come out you know and it's i I don't (laughs) hey play that again play that again (laughs) yeah yeah it it happens on stage all the time um uh you know and that's one of those things yeah like um 
it's really fun to like not always be responsible for that and to like have trust and enjoy what other people like bring to the table and also just to like to support you know like to be open to like okay like if if it's if i'm not feeling it i can certainly say like i don't think that should fit with this song and there are times that you know we've gotten in heated things about what i'm gonna play and there are times where i just stand my ground i'm like like that's not i'm not doing that you know um and then there are times where it's like of course i'm gonna listen to you or or there's a discussion and it's what does the whole band think you know and and does everybody want this or does everybody want that because i'm not sure which fits better and i don't really want anything but what will be the best and i it's a you know, democratic decision-making time in that. So, you know, those things happen as they, as they naturally do. Hmm. Interesting. So, and when, when you have those discussions, are they discussions towards the studio or discussions towards when we, when we play it live or is it both? It's both. Cause you know, when we create something, it's really like, it's, it's like, we know it's, it's like going to be on a stage eventually. And now, right. now it's like, you know, the new stuff is meant mainly for the studio first. Like we have songs we're working on now that are, you know, being worked out for studio recordings, but we know they're going to be on stage. Right. 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 Good point. So one of my go-tos when I, I don't play my bass too often anymore cause I'm not, I'm not in the band anymore and I have three kids, but <laughs> one of the go-tos that i love to come back and just play and it's like eight minutes or nine minutes or something like that (laughs) is the live version of night shift from anytime now um where you guys played stir it up in the middle of it yeah which of course as a bassist like that is one of the most fun bass lines to play ever and you can play it nonstop for like 10 years straight which we've been doing for 20 plus yeah (laughs) so there's a part in that in that live version, fairly close to the beginning, where it, it's almost like a solo that you play, um, but it's a groove, and it's just a do 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 do. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but I haven't listened I, to that record in so long. Um, I can't, so I, I'm not exactly sure what I did. But I have it, I have it on here queued up, but my my media thing is not does not want to play it for some That's reason. That's okay. I mean, well, so what is it about that that you're you're curious. I just that. love, I love the groove. And once I learned how to play it, it's just uh-huh. one of those like that. I just loved playing it. And I played that for sound check for every single show we ever played. Oh, like that's cool. when it's time, when it's time for me to do that sound, to do sound check, that's, I would immediately go right into that. Cause it's just like, it was something that I could just keep playing and playing until they got my sound right. <laughs> but yeah, it's also yeah. really fun. I could play it in my sleep and, uh, it, and it sounds, it sounds good. So like that, that is just ingrained in my mind. Uh, you should go back and listen to it. It's from any time now. And it's, I think it's I like, it's like two minutes in or something. It's pretty, okay. it's pretty close to the beginning. Um, but yeah, that, that I've always loved. And, and the way that you kind of seamlessly blend into the stir it up baseline, which is just legendary. Um, it's just yeah. like sitting down and playing that song from start to finish is is really fun on bass for me. That's awesome. I'll have to go back to it so, and give it a shot. I usually like 
in preparation for tours, I, I just put on our live records and I just mm -hmm. play and it helps me kind of get back into the mindset. Cause it's also like some of those things that we haven't done in 10 or 15 years, we end up bringing back and, you know, using sure. again somewhere. And there's a, a certain, uh, like, I don't know, like pleasure in finding something we haven't played together in 10 or 15 years and throwing mm -hmm. it out there to see if everybody wants to bring it back. And a lot of our audience, you know, case in point, like has these little moments of songs from an album that resonate with them. And it's, it's fun to mix it up. And like, you know, even though we've evolved out of a certain direction for a song, it doesn't mean it can't touch back there, you know? So yeah. um, that's certainly a, a special element. And that song in particular is like, you know, um, playing that with junior Mervin at, uh, at nine thirty club and, uh, just getting to do that, you know, on record for our first album at a hometown show and all that stuff. It was just like really, really joyful, you know, and, uh, I'm glad that it came out good. Cause I remember being so nervous to play, <laughs> to play that song with him there, yeah, I bet. you know, and it's intimidating um, for sure. Yeah. Was he their bass player? Bob Molly's bass player? Uh, Junior is, was oh, one of their guitar players. Guitarist. Um, guitar I players. think like after Peter, I think he was, he performed with them when Peter Tosh was around and then Peter, Peter yeah. wasn't okay. around obviously. And I think Junior stepped in and he played gotcha. with the Whalers when Bob was not with them for a while as well, I believe. And he actually introduced us to a lot of those guys. And um, like we became friendly with uh one of the drummers and I got to meet family man and you know, just all that stuff where it's just, just like, rules, yeah. yeah, like music legends for real, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Well, speaking of one of the, the solo times, the, the road outside of Columbus, uh, you did a version of it at, at the, uh, the red rocks yeah. show with, with, uh, and it was, again, it was just the, the baseline playing and then John Lampley, Lampley, Lamp, Lampley. Yeah. Um, playing over that, it was just you and him, and it was that was magical. I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah, Road Outside Columbus. I mean, I don't know which Red song. Rocks show that was. Fortunately, we've been there, you know, um, I think over a dozen times now, and we're yeah. really lucky for that. Uh, playing anything with John Lampley is super fun, <laughs> and you know, he is so talented and so invigorating as a human being and musician to be around yeah, such a presence on stage. Yeah. 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 And, and that song, you know, th I remember when we wrote that song and got it recorded and I was very excited about it because I, I love the, the bass parts in that tune in particular, they bounce a little bit, they move, they carry things. It's um, there's a lot of room for improvisation still inside what that is. And especially with John solo, um, you know, it can, pull back and be very simple. And as he gets excited, there's room to make it more excited to use the fretboard in a way that you go higher and you get quieter and let him shine. And as he builds up, you put some beef back into it and go low again, and, you know, tighten up the notes. It's like, there, there's a lot there to play with. And um, it, that one's really fun. Uh, I, I always love that song. And it's also a reminder of those years when we were, you know, at the Ohio State University and um, trying to 
fit this whole thing together, you know, and trying to make it work where we would leave and get out on the road and, and perform nationally. And it's like, you know, um, it's a bit of a, like, a how do I say this? It's, it's nostalgia, you know, like to like play it, but it's also, we're in a moment now where we, we went down that road already, you know, and, and we're fortunate that we're, like we we've, we've had success in what that song kind of like drove at. Right. So, right. so that's a, that's a real happy one to and, touch. And at Ohio state is where everything kind of went to that next level with you guys. Yeah. I don't know if it was really just there because um, I think, I think the, the, the Napster effect naps the thing was yeah. really like, it wasn't just there. Right. Like it, it was happening while we were there. Yeah. But Napster was putting our music in colleges and cities and, you know, all these places across the entire nation before we could get there. And that, yeah. that was a trip. It was like, you know, you get a call from someone in Arizona who wants you to come do a weekend of shows. And you're like, I have a test on Tuesday. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> can I get there? And how did back? you hear about us? Yeah, we, I mean, it was, we, yeah, that too. Um, but like, yeah, there's a lot of different things that came up back then about that stuff so uh it, yeah. it's it, we've been lucky it's all worked yeah, it's crazy sure. so you you, ha- you said you have some songs that you that are your favorite to play are there any songs that are your favorites just in general beyond uh to play just kind of like what are your favorite songs that the band does mm, that's a good question um i mean peace is really nice like I, I genuinely think like we're all trying to get to a place like that, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm big on partnerships and, you know, supporting one another and listening and all that is, is like in that song. Um, I really like uh, songs like wonderful day. I like, you know, that are, are very uplifting and happy and powerful um i'm trying to think of some others uh i mean uh, it's like i said before like they all make me happy because we mm-hmm. it's like the fact that i get to listen to the work we've done over these years and people still want to hear them played at concerts um you know i go through as one actually like as a father i associate a lot with yeah, that yeah, one and, that. See that. and then there's um that's the other one uh california is a really you know meaningful one um it's where i live and all that and i could just you know hear a story about you know things that that i think is it can can be relevant to my life as well so yeah that's a few of them cool dad what are your favorites awesome oh um someone in the road uh delicate few just you know, it's funny because it's, it's, you know, I tried to put together that list because I knew this question would come up and it's like, oh, I like that one. But I like this one too. And I like this one. You have to understand that, that Sean and I found together, we had this unique relationship where we would go to shows a lot of times. Um, and, you know, as a father and son duo, sometimes it's, it, we're unique that way, but we'd be those, those guys in the like 15th or 30th, a hundredth row because we couldn't afford this tickets up front or whatever. But everybody would be drinking and going crazy and, and, and everything. And we're standing and, and like deciphering and, and looking at the different 
textures and the tones. Oh, did you hear how we did that? So we were nerds. We're you could just say we're nerds. Music that way. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhat. <laughs> um, Nothing wrong with and that. that. Is our, nope. Yeah, ironically, like you just said something about it when you when we first started talking to Benj, um, how you said it's really important that the the music that that you have always played is uh, is about humanity and is is, a, is uh, about you know being positive and and having those kind of vibes. Sean um, just got tickets and we went to see Frank Turner and the Interrupters a little while ago, and that was the thing is like this is going to be a real positive show and it's going to be upbeat and it's going to be and it's okay. We've always been kind of looking for that and it just made me realize that that's how we always kind of approach the show. It's not just like, let's go party, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, and, and cool. you, you know, that was the, 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 the frat boy scene that sometimes got attached to the, to your band, you know, back in the day of the old, yeah, it's all about drinking with, with my bros. And yeah. we were never kind of into that. Polo I mean, shirts Sean and flat brim <laughs> across the audience. <laughs> pop the collar. Yeah. Pop stuff. collar. Yeah. yeah. That's so funny. Yep. There, there and was Sean, that moment. To, we almost got tossed out of the, you, the URI show, right? For throwing us a, uh, yeah. a cassette <laughs> I or threw a, a, I a, threw demo a demo onto CD. the stage, I think, or something. So okay. I threw a demo CD up at Mark during the show and he grabbed it and they almost kicked me out. And I was like, yeah. I, sorry, I can't get it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, security is uh, getting more strict. So I'd, I'd be careful be, with that. Yeah. You have to be. I don't you think I could do that. That was probably 2009. Yeah, back um, in the day. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, so I, we, I think, we've always, you know, we've always kind of been into the to the music for the sake of the music rather than the party kind of scene and, and stuff. No matter what show we went to, so we always nice. really appreciate all the music that you guys uh, have, have put out there. But uh, you know, delicate few, I think, always kind of falls falls at the top of the list. Uh, yeah, that's one of my know. favorite. I think my favorites are Untitled, Delicate Few, and I've always liked So Moved On because I like yeah. I like the, like you've said before, like the journey of that song. I really like, um, I don't want to keep you for too much longer, but, uh, what else, I mean, what else do you love about music? What do you want to talk about? You know, this is your chance to talk about music. I think music is, you know, everybody says it's a universal language, right? So that's true. But why is that, you know, what does it do to you? Like, what does it do to the collective? I think is a, a big question, um, to, to talk about, um, you know, I, I, I learn and study about, you know, a lot of things that are kind of like weird and, you know, maybe called hippie or yogi stuff or whatever, you know, and, um, one thing that I study is, is how sound affects the body. And there's, there's actually a lot of science to musical notes you know, having a, a, a effect on the different parts of your body. Um, and if you, you know, like even back in, into old school, like yoga texts and things like this, they speak about the different frequencies affecting the different chakras. And I think one thing that's really interesting when people just say like music heals and that's, you know, that's certainly true. I, I got to a point where I was like, well, why is that? You know, like, and, um, yeah, it gives you adrenaline and, and you feel better and, and those things. But, um, I think there, that we're all, you know, um, trying to resonate with those around us. And I think when music hits people, we're all resonating in the same frequency, right? It takes away a lot of that discord and a lot of that disjointed stuff that divides people from one another and the way the world has been going the past you know years i think that's more and more important 
And I hope that music can continue to be something that brings people together. And so me continuing to, you know, play music and be involved and spend, spend the, the hours in my life that I have left focusing on that, I think is, you know, because it brings people together and hopefully makes us all feel a little bit more connected to one another and, and a little bit more healed each day. Um, you know, they talk about music therapy and how it can affect people, you know, who have health conditions. I'm certainly, you know, a believer in its effect of that. I'm certainly a believer of like what music can do for people in hospice and the elderly of calming their bodies and minds in these very difficult circumstances. And so really for me, music is not just a career, but it's something that I think is integral to the type of life that I think is important for us all to lead and whether or not it's me playing it, listening to it, going to a concert, being in tune with people around me and, you know, like recognizing that when you do go to most concerts, there's so many differences between the individuals there, but in those hours or minutes or whatever, those barriers are gone. And I think the world needs a lot more of that. And so if there's anything I could say about, you know, how I view music, it's it's that it's the one thing that has that power these days. And we all need more of it. And I hope that, you know, your podcast reaches more people. I hope that music reaches more people and that the effect that we're talking about in this moment will be felt and and people will not only know that that's there, but try to translate that into other parts of their lives because without that, you know, uh, springboard, even if you want to call it that, I, I think we're, we're treading water here. And, um, I just, you know, I want people to feel better. And there, there's obviously like, you know, a lot of talk about, you know, politics and religion and suffering and things in the world that are, not what we want to focus on, but the things that'll, I think, help get those to be secondary is like if we can fill that void with some positive stuff. And I'm glad to be a part of a band that, you know, has that light. And uh, I, I hope more people can find that in in other circumstances as well. So that that's really like the heart of, you know, me with music and why I do it. And um I'm grateful for that opportunity. I'm grateful for this opportunity. Appreciate that you guys, you know, are really, you know, just, you know, focusing on music and sharing that. So thank you for this time. No, that was, that well we're done. Wrap it up. Yeah. That was awesome. Nothing else needs to be said after that. That's perfect. No. Uh, Dad, do you have anything else that you want to get into? We've been doing this over an hour, so I don't want to use too much. No, of time. no, that was that was just the perfect cap cap on top of everything. That's exactly. The, I mean, the whole purpose of the way we started this this podcast was for that same purpose. You know, it was a conversation Sean and I used to have on a regular basis. And one day he said, "Hey, Dad, I want to do this on a podcast." And I thought. No one wants to listen to this. Who's going yeah, to listen to this stuff? But. I'm sure you're not familiar. You probably haven't it's listened amazing. to the show, but what we usually do is we each bring a song to an episode and we listen to it together and then we just break it down and talk about it. Like talk about what makes it great, how it makes us feel, what, you know, what stands out to us and stuff like that. So it's more cool. active listening than just passive listening. And that's the whole point is like teaching our audience how to actively listen to songs to appreciate it better and get more out of it. Right. And that's yep. kind of the goal with this. Podcast. That's awesome. 
That's great. Yeah. Active listening is uh, something I think we all need to practice, right? Yeah. And everything. Not and everything. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 yeah for sure. Well, no, um, do you, that's awesome, guys. Do you have any other message that you want to get out to our massive audience of ten, tens of millions of people that... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, um, we're going on tour this summer. We're going to do a nationwide run. Uh, we're out with Fits in the Tantrums and Ripe. And it's going to be a string of amazing shows. We're also doing the uh, the Ocean's Calling Festival again in Ocean City, Maryland at the end of September. And we plan on having our best summer ever. And I hope, if, you know, anyone out there listening, if you can make it to a concert, I guarantee you'll leave better, you know, feeling better when you leave than when you got there. And, you know, I hope uh, everyone out there can find whatever joy they you know they can in this life and thanks for listening to us talk yeah awesome. I, I can attest i've been to i think 12 shows uh and i have always felt better leaving the show than i have going into it so i can attest to that that's definitely true um i think that's it dad we good um last one last question ocean's calling very successful this past one that you had I know the one yes. private prior was was canceled because of the weather and all. Chris had had put out a statement, I think, in in one of the the, the forums of best show that you've ever played or something. You, you feeling like that was that was the venue and that was the audience and that was a a really special place. It's up there. Yeah, it was really fun. Because yeah. one of the one of the questions I was going to ask is, you know, Red Rocks, Madison Square Garden, Ocean's Calling, Meriwether, like that's got to be right up there, correct? Yeah, I mean it's hard to rank this stuff. Um I I try not to Compare. put them each like above each other, or below each other cuz kind of back to my mantra of like we're just lucky to do this. And um I I think it was phenomenal. You know, it was a great experience. So, I'm I'm thankful for it. I think it was yeah, it is it's in that like top 10 for sure. Nice. Well, looking forward to yeah. maybe we can try to get there this year. That'd be good. Yeah, do awesome. it. It's going to be great. We, uh, we're working on headliners and all that stuff and got all that stuff cooking. Awesome. Cool. Well, Thank hey, you, maybe we'll run into you in, uh, in Gaithersburg someday. Too, so. um, <laughs> At the pool. Come say hello anytime. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll let you know. We'll send you a message when we're going down there and say, come meet us at the pool in, in Flower Hill. <laughs> um, so this was awesome. I want to just say again, thank you so much for A, putting up with us in the beginning and B, sitting down to talk to us for a while. Uh, like I said, you've been a big influence on me as a musician, uh, you know, one of my favorite bands for years. And I know that's awkward to hear, so I'm not going to keep harping on it. But um, I really appreciate everything that you've done for music and for us and for uh, for the the band and everything, so thank you so much for joining us. Can you can you uh, lead us out with our our closing statement? Do you mind? <laughs> um, is your closing statement? You're not listening. Uh, no, our closing statement is: <laughs> stay hydrated, listen to good music, and don't be a dick. Oh, heck yeah! <laughs> stay hydrated, listen to good music, and don't be a dick. That's it. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to everyone next time. Thank you, Benj. Thank you so God much. Bless. Thank you, guys. It's NFL draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.